Caregivers, have you ever felt like nothing is going right? Well, cheer up and welcome to Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program, where you'll learn how to avoid that dreaded thing called caregiver burnout and how to survive the grieving process. Join Dave and his guests now as they share practice tips and tools that you can start using immediately to help get you through this day. Now, here's your caregiver host, Dave Nassani. From Los Angeles, big LA, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I am Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com. And usually my lovely co-host Adrian is with us today, but she could not make it today. We're going to miss her. But she's at caregiverspace, thecaregiverspace.org. And we're coming to you live and on demand on 18 global and audio video platforms, iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Vimeo, Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, MixCloud, Listen Notes, Blueberry, Player FM, Podcast.com, VIP Internet, Radio, TuneIn.com, Facebook Live, HealthyLife.net, and CaregiverDave.com. And we're so proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast of the top 50 on Player FM and one of the top six best podcasts by Caring.com, Caregiver Podcast, as well as number three caregiver podcast out of thousands that are on caregiver podcasts on Feedspot. So we have an exciting show planned for you today. We are talking with Precious Goodson, and Precious is a very special person. She's an educator, a speaker, a scholar, a blogger, a writer, a leader in the military community. He's a military caregiver to a combat-wounded vet and advocate for military families. Her husband served 17 years in the military service and sustained mental and physical wounds during this last tour to Afghanistan. Uh, in 2010, she resigned from her job as an elementary teacher to care for her husband. And we'll learn more about that as we get more into the show. And I just want to uh, remind everybody that this show can be heard uh, after it's live. We are on Facebook Live as well. And I think that's about it. I do want to thank my last week's guest, which is uh, Joe, where did I write that down? (laughs) Shame on me. Joe Lafferty, yes, the bionic man. He almost died. Actually, he did die, and he came back to life, and they gave him all these different parts uh, to his body, a new liver, a new kidney. I mean, the guy is truly the bionic man. And you can hear that uh, interview as well on all those sites that I mentioned. Well, Precious, welcome to the show. And she is Precious, by the way, folks. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. You are not. What? I said that was very nice of you to say. Oh, you're paying me a compliment. How sweet. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. It's the Mutual Admiration Society. (laughs) So why don't you take a minute or two, Precious, and introduce yourself. Um, I'd like to ask my guest, just who is Precious Goodson, and why was she put on this earth? Well, I was put on this earth to help. I believe that um, one thing that I can say from all of the years that I have been here on this planet, that... I have chosen to do things to help others, and um, I have a servant heart. 
even from teaching and I'm understanding and discovering this e even more that the servant heart carries a person, I believe, to the purposes that they have here. And um, from teaching um, to, to, to leading to caring uh, and then to advocating, I believe all of those things um, are, are somehow connected. So. Right. Hey, do me a favor. Lower your screen a little so we don't see so much oh. ceiling. There we go. Sure. We got more of you. And okay. you look so young, no Precious. You look like a high school student. So oh, now that's... All your years on earth. How old are you? <laughs> now, that is a question you do not ask a female. You know well, that, being see... married. How many years, Dave? I don't see one wrinkle <laughs> on your face. I don't see one thank piece you. of gray hair on your head. So you got to oh, be like you. 19. That is all 1910. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you're old enough to be married, and I think I, I think I said it in your introduction. Did I say 17 years? Let me look back here. Um, served 17 I'm, years in the military. Oh my gosh! So you, my oh, husband oh. served. Oh yeah. So well, well, I've been be married. The same age, though, I guess, or roughly. Well, yeah. no, no. Now my husband was he served. He began serving in the military before we married. So, okay. um, he we my husband and I have been together for twenty one years and married for I'm um, nineteen. So, well, in other words, yeah. you're not a teenager anymore. I am not a teenager. <laughs> Neither no more. am I, even though I look <laughs> like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, down to business here. What were some of the okay. challenges that you faced when your husband first returned? Now, first of all, he was in Afghanistan, right? Right. So and my husband is still fighting after 19 years. Right? Yeah, yeah. So my husband, um, just to give you a little background, first, um, he he um, served in the military for. Um, 17 years, all as a combat medic. He actually um, completed two tours, one in Desert Storm in 1995 and then one in Afghanistan, which was his last tour. Wow, so. we are so thankful for his service. And and as is most uh, usually the case, they don't come back the same person. They either come back something mentally different, something physically different, something emotionally different. And, uh, you know, we really need to take better care of our vets because we wouldn't be here speaking and having free speech and celebrating how wonderful America was if it wasn't for those brave men and women who constantly right. do that. And then uh, even the firefighters and the first responders, this is 9-11 this is today. For those of right. you who are listening to a recorded uh, podcast, we are celebrating um, the amazing qualities in first responders that make them rush into danger while everyone else is running away from danger. And mm -hmm. I, I'm personally affected by 9-11 because I had a second cousin, Sean Nassani, who uh, was thought he was going to Hawaii with his girlfriend uh, on a break from college, and he hopped on a plane at United Airlines, and mm -hmm. the next thing you know, that plane is, is the second jet to hit the the World Trade Center in the South Tower and uh, we just remember him and everyone when I was in New York I, I went to the memorial for the first time they let me in free because I was a fam family member which was nice mm -hmm. and it was just a very solemn moment I found where his mm -hmm. where his name was and took some pictures of it and 
Uh-huh. And, um, you know, God bless America. That's all I can say. And um, mm-hmm. I'm just so grateful for the freedoms that we have because of men yeah. like your husband. So how was he different when he came back? Well, um, so the challenge is that uh, he was different more. He received more support for his physical injuries when he first returned from Afghanistan. Um, So my husband was diagnosed with um, cervical spondylosis, degenerative back and 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 uh, back and lumbar um, as well, and he was diagnosed um, with um, well those were his main injuries coming back. But I have to say that since he returned, uh, multiple injuries um, have stemmed from that. That include um, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, severe and chronic, uh, mild traumatic brain injury, um, and a myriad of other, other injuries that uh, requires him to receive um, multiple treatment for. Um, I would like to say that I wish I could say uh, truthfully that his care has uh, the need for care has diminished, but that has not been the case. Mm-hmm. Um, since he returned, it's been a 10-year walk so far, and wow. that has not been a progressive walk towards recovery the way I actually was hoping that it would be. Actually, I was expecting it to be. So the road to recovery for a caregiver, it looks different for everyone, every person. And for me, um, um, the first, honestly, David, it's been a roller coaster. First six months, it looked one way while we were at Fort Stewart with the Wounded Transition Unit and receiving care and support from them. Then we returned to the community where I um, took on a 100% responsibility of caring for him. And then the whole look of how his care would be shifted. Um, and then for about two or three years, I my, the challenge was um, figuring out what to do, figuring out how to navigate the health benefits and 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 how how to navigate his care Uh, and then three years into it a shift again occurred when he was medically retired and um and and we relocated thinking that things would get better vocationally and everything but instead it was there was a setback and involuntarily hospital he was involuntary involuntarily hospitalized several times uh, during that stint of time, it, it so again going back to my what I said earlier it was a roller coaster, right? It was not a progressive uh, walk towards his recovery, you know, towards independence for him. Wow. So. so sorry about that. Um, he how he was in the service for seventeen years, you say? Yes, until he was medically retired in 2013. So what rank did he uh, climb to? He, his highest rank was um, NCO E5, um, mm. NCO E5 um, sergeant. Uh, 
So what kind of tasks do you perform, uh, you know, for him as a caregiver? Well, uh, Dave, most of the tasks I perform for my husband are related to safety and supervision. Mm. Um, so based on his conditions, I will name the most severe being PTSD. Um, and then PTSD and TBI conditions, um, they overlap. Uh, the behavior, the behaviors overlap somewhat. Sure. So, um, I, I, the, the things I do to help him um, are mostly to do uh, with safety supervision and helping him with cognitive tasks, uh, uh, helping with um, order and organizing the day, um, yeah. things like that. Wow. So sorry. Um, what what made you decide to attend school while you were providing uh, care? What were you know the different um, obstacles that you've uh, had to come across and and uh, resolve? So there were uh, several reasons why I chose to return to school. First off, was me trying to get over the hurdle of resigning from my teaching job of 10 years, which mm -hmm. I'll say, you know, uh, some people have, they complain about the salaries for teachers, but I'll just say after 10 years of teaching with the, with the, um, with every, anyway, what I'm saying is my <laughs> salary, <laughs> I was satisfied with it. <laughs> I was satisfied you with it. You loved what so, you did. You were passionate about teaching. Was passionate about helping people. Absolutely, you probably so. do it free if you could afford it. I would help people free. Yeah, <laughs> so um, I I um, actually went to school first of all because I saw a, that there was a way for me to contribute back to my household income. Okay, as a military caregiver, um, the opportunity was there to return to school on a, a benefit, an education benefit, uh -huh. um, which also allowed me to receive a stipend. That was the one reason, one, the first reason why I returned to school, which, by the way, I'll say that um, if, if, if um, caregivers find the time or, I mean, uh, military caregiver benefit is the one I'm familiar with, but I'm sure there are other benefits out there for others. But if a military caregiver finds the time to return to school, uh, to receive that, I think it would definitely be worth a shot in, in trying to do if they had the bandwidth in their day where they could, um, you know, they could make that happen uh, yeah. to benefit. Uh, another reason why I returned to school is because um, I, I had the, um, because of the reason that I wanted to help people. E-learning is the, um, the um, major in the specialization that I decided to to go back to do, mm -hmm. and I just felt um, that it would be helpful to to military caregivers. I don't know, it was something I was grabbing, uh, I was grabbing, grabbing a hold of trying to find a way to help caregivers in the area of e-learning and education. Yeah. So um, I guess. I guess just trying to take what I knew to do and and make it better is what I was trying to 
work towards too. Well, let's get back to him and his needs. So uh, it sounds like he's yeah. he's pretty functional. He can bathe. He can he says toilet uh, things are okay. Mm-hmm. He can walk. Can he drive? Um, functionally, um, the the activity of driving, as you well know, Dave, is 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 more than just one fold. I mean, so there is the actual ability to put put your foot on the gas and the brakes and right. But then there's also <laughs> but then there's also the cognitive functioning that goes along with driving as far as that's why we have GPS, you yeah. know, and things like that. So the challenge with my husband's with driving is more so the cognitive functioning and so even with GPS, I'm I he does need my assistance with driving when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. So does he drive and you're in the passenger seat or you do the driving? We we uh, actually have done, we've exchanged that role several mm-hmm. times. And I'll tell you uh, why. Also, in addition to the cognitive issue, is the PTSD and the rage, okay, where sometimes uh, it has happened where we are going driving somewhere, but there is a... a there, there's a, a altercation, pretty much, or something that happens with, with, with another person that requires me to just take the lead and sure. say, okay, no, you, you move over here, and mm-hmm. I'm going to take the wheel now. You know, that has happened several times. Like if another driver um, cuts him off or does something like that, is that what you're talking about? Um, I would say innocently if a driver yeah. does something that is innocent it may not necessarily okay. be cutting them off cutting him off looking at him funny exactly. what are you looking at yeah exactly thank you dave yeah. absolutely <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah most of them uh, can be pretty paranoid that you know people are looking at you or mm-hmm. you know they're talking about you or they're planning mm-hmm. something against you uh, the paranoia yeah. it's it's really sad what uh, mm-hmm. what these vets have to go through so, right, and he doesn't a, do it on purpose. I mean, because he won't—he wouldn't want to put me in harm's way on purpose. But that's what happens. Literally, he puts me in harm's way, and yeah, then you know. And different—you uh, know—some are worse than others. I mean, some people come home and and they kill their families with guns. Thank God that's not the case with you guys, you know. But uh, you just never know um, how severe it's going to be. But uh, you're very fortunate. God bless you that that it's not, you know. As as bad as it is, because it could be a lot worse. Um, yes, true. As, as a true. caregiver, I want to talk about you. You know, how are you doing? You know, um, how bad was it when it first, uh, you know, when you first entered into and realized that you were a caregiver, if you even knew what a caregiver was, and uh, how well did you handle it in the beginning? And did you burn out? Was there something that made you have to change what you do so that you can survive, put your mask on first, all that stuff? Okay, yeah. well, I'll say that um, the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, too, I'll just preface by saying, has done an amazing job of putting together a, um, a military um, caregiver um will, so to speak, or a, a process of what military caregivers Huh. deal with from the beginning uh, stages all the way to the recovery stages. And I see myself in a lot of that. I actually had an opportunity to, you know, to help to, you know, um, um, contribute, you know, to as yeah. because of my uh, experiences 
as a military caregiver and as a fellow with the Elizabeth Dole Foundation, uh -huh. had an opportunity to actually contribute to that. Um, but but so so and so I will invite folks to you know listeners to actually um, you know look look that up and, yeah. and you know their caregiver and see how they might fit in in the stages of caregiving mm -hmm. as well. Um, as far as me and my personal experience, um, I can say that when I first became a caregiver, okay, I will say first that recognizing that I, uh, um, that I was a caregiver is, is a bit, was a big step and that is a big step for anyone yeah. who's providing care to someone that they love because a lot of times people feel like, okay, they are just doing their duty by providing care to someone. Right. Well, really, um, it, you know, it, it's a, it's a definition that anyone uh, RAND report, uh, 2014 RAND report even says, it's the definition that anyone who provides care for a family member, a friend, a spouse, uh, you know, um, and it's unpaid care, um, they can pretty much, they are considered to be an informal caregiver if it's unpaid, yeah. you know. So um, basically, um, I recognize that, to go back to your question, I recognized that I was a caregiver almost immediately after my husband returned. I recognized when he was deployed to Afghanistan that I was merely, well, not merely, but I was a military spouse to him. Right. You know, I visited the uh, military base often while he was away trying to understand what my role was as my new role as a care, as a spouse to someone who was deployed, right? But when he returned from war injured, and then I had a new role, which was to help him to recover the best I could, I, I recognized that that role's uh, title that I took on then was a caregiver, yeah. a military caregiver. And that brought with it uh, um, uncertainty, fear. I was very afraid. I did not know what to expect or yeah. what to do, you know. So um, um, we're going to take a break, and then we'll talk about the support that you got that helped you when we get back. So don't go okay. away. We'll be right back. Okay. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words, Overcoming Unbelievable Hardships, is about Charlene, a stroke survivor. Back in 1996, Charlene was a healthy, normal, very active 52-year-old woman whose amazing talents resemble that of both a Martha Stewart and a Wonder Woman. But all that changed when she suffered a massive stroke that left her severely speech impaired and paralyzed on the right side. Everyone who knows Charlene is thoroughly amazed at how she lives day by day, month by month, year by year, and with a smile on her face and hope in her heart that everything is going to be okay. Just hear what best-selling author Lynn Barrington has to say about it. If you think you have it bad, read this book. This is a beautiful, genuine story told from the heart. It's inspiring and easy to read. When you finish this book, you'll be able to look at your concerns in a new light. One Arm, One Leg, 100 Words, Overcoming Unbelievable Hardships. Available everywhere. And we're back with Precious Goodwin, a military wife and caregiver to her husband who served in Afghanistan and Desert Storm and we're just so thankful on this 9-11 
Memorial Day for the vets and those in uh, uh, first respondents who keep us safe from domestic and foreign problems. And so we were talking about um, the support after mm -hmm. uh, you found out you were a caregiver and realized that it's it's not easy, not easy being a caregiver. In fact, I think it's the hardest job that is on this earth, um, especially if you know your loved one has dementia or Alzheimer's or post-traumatic stress disorder or or traumatic brain injury. All of those things mm -hmm. are bad, and uh, some are worse than others. So, where did you get your support? You mentioned the Elizabeth Dole Foundation. Did did the military help you out at all with? Uh, support or guidance of what uh, is in store for you or the wife of a vet, wounded vet? Well, um, I believe the military helped out a lot when it comes to, because now I'm a doctor, you can call me Dr. Goodson, you know, as oh, a result of the military. Um, well, I went to school, well, before my husband was injured, I had already earned uh, advanced degrees. So um, when I decided to return to school to help to contribute to my husband as well as to help the caregivers with um, working on the topic I chose to explore, um, I, I decided to choose a, a school that will work with that. So instead of going to a brick and mortar school, I went to an online school were a, a regionally accredited online school where I would have the opportunity to set my own schedule and meet the deliverables that were uh, set for for me to meet um, in order to 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 um, finish and complete the degree requirements. So. What kind of doctor are you? PhD. Um, I'm an EDD. I'm a practicing uh, doctor of education, oh. um, and the the type of and and what I would like to do is you know help caregivers. You know, my whole yeah. research study dealt with education and training for caregivers. Wow, so we should want... work together in the mm -hmm. future. Yes. We absolutely <laughs> should, Dave. I believe that we should. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, makes two of us. So, <laughs> so, um, so the Elizabeth Dole. Hmm? Go ahead, Elizabeth Dole. I was going to say the Elizabeth Dole Foundation um, RAND study from 2014 um, actually had set forth in the recommendations of future research, um, education and training for military caregivers that, that should be something explored. So as a fellow with Elizabeth Dole Foundation and, and with the passion I already have to as a servant leader and to help people, I, I chose to, to, to explore that topic, how education and training could be developed for caregivers to help us it, to understand how to, how, to care, how to be better caregivers. Yeah, and what exactly yeah. is your role with the Elizabeth Dole Foundation? Um, I served as a, a, a an Elizabeth Dole Foundation Caregiver Dole Fellow in 2015. Oh. Yes, it's a fellow in 2015, 2016, you and now like a fella, not a fellow. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay, whatever yeah. that that means. So and it ends in <laughs> O if it's male and uh, A if okay. it's female. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, my Spanish name is Preciosa. Uh, yes. Uh huh. <laughs> so, <laughs> but if I was if I was a male, it'd be Precioso probably. What do you think? But probably anyway, yes. diverting. Okay, let me get back to the subject. What we were what I was saying is, uh, an Elizabeth Dole Foundation caregiver Dole Fellow is what I served at 2015-2016. Active. Now I still serve with the foundation. 
um, because I because uh, I have an opportunity to advocate and to raise my yeah. voice to help caregivers about caregiver issues that yeah, have been educated. found to be critical. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so basically, now I still serve as an alumna though with the care with the Elizabeth Doe uh -huh. Foundation. Alumni mm -hmm. because you were a fellow. Yes. And what I graduated. A fellow is, so the Elizabeth Doe Foundation has a program that is for um, basically uh, the whole purpose of the foundation is to raise awareness and advocate for hidden heroes, for those who care, for, for, for um, service members and veterans who've been injured, ill, or wounded due to military service. Yeah. So um, uh, the foundation has a program in place where caregivers from every state in the United States can represent um, that particular area and also serve as advocates and raise their voice on behalf of the caregivers, usually in that particular state, but nationally, to um, raise awareness about what, what caregivers need. Um, but uh, there, there have been so much, the progress that's been made for this population through uh, has been tremendous, um, and I'm really proud to say to serve and, and stand by it's, it, to serve with the foundation myself. Um, and I'm so fortunate and blessed, I believe, to have the opportunity to have had the opportunity to to advocate, you know, to meet with congressmen, to meet with the senators, to talk about policy oh, wow, for caregivers, that? and yes, that's something that fellows also have opportunities to do. That's, that's my passion as well, to get into the political thing, you know, and, and make the next um, healthcare plan, whoever is in the uh, White House at the time, to have caregiver respite a part of that. You know, I, I spent a lot of time in Hawaii speaking, and Hawaii is the only um, state in the nation who actually has a respite uh, caregiver uh, payment of $1,500 a month, regardless of whether you're working or not. You only need to work, I think, 25 or 30 hours, and uh, you get it, and you can spend it on whatever you need, you know, to help um, give you the time to go out and be a normal person and bring someone in to watch your loved one. And mm. it's a great model for the rest of the country, and it should be, uh, it should also be somehow. Um, Involved in the next uh, healthcare plan, I believe. Sure. So I would. I, I just see myself eventually, uh, you know, testifying before Congress or the White House one mm -hmm. day to to do that, and I hope that sooner rather than later. Yeah, me the too. Missing link. <laughs> uh, well, me too, especially dealing with respite. You know, it's a big, yeah. big uh, deal, and it's something that um, the foundation has put before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Remind me how we met again. Um, you know, I, I interview so many people, it's hard to keep track of who I met at the New York Publicity Summit and who, you know, just by chance somebody, uh, you know, called or answered the website. Mm -hmm. Remind me how you and I met. Well, let's see, for the sake of not trying to sound too philosophical, <laughs> I don't know. I believe in destiny. I yes, really do. And me so... Too. Um, we were connected on on LinkedIn, and oh. you were in my network, and okay. I was exploring some things on LinkedIn. You contacted me. You came up. Your profile came up, and I called you, and that's okay. how we connected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Cool. Yes, there are yeah. no accidents. Mm-mm. Well, I don't believe that either. 
So um, how did you manage your time while you were completing your doctoral degree? You know, that's that takes time. Now, obviously, you were home doing it, so that's mm-hmm. that explains some of it because you're not out there going to classes and stuff. Right. And how much care exactly does your husband right. need? I mean, you know, are you with him, like, all the time, 24-hour care? Or uh, what are his freedoms? What is he capable of doing on his own? Where is his independence and not? Um, so my husband is a long way from being independent, but I, my, I'm, I'm hopeful every day that he reaches that place. Um, there is hope. There is. There is. I believe that, um, let's see, his, the, the amount of time that he's needed for me has been, it's not been the same. From the time he's come, I wish I could give you a black and white answer. I cannot. Um, it's it's so gray. It's so gray. <laughs> um, when, um, when he first returned from Afghanistan, I was more of I gave the time. I would say um, I was I was by his side all all the time. But he he received a lot of his care from the Wounded Transition Unit at Fort Stewart. I was more of an advocate for him. Um, um, fighting for his for his uh, his rights for health benefits, so that he received what he needs to get the care that he needed from the military. But uh, when we return, like I mentioned, when when we return back into the community, I was doing I I would say over forty hours a week of helping him. More more time, you know, more concentrated effort was putting to put into. You know the safety, the the supervision, the calls, the the um, calendaring for him, the scheduling, the accompanying him to appointments, and all of that. That took a lot of time. Then there were times when he was hospitalized, Dave. He was hospitalized, um, you know, thirty days at a time. And there were times when my caregiving duties looked different because in those times I was still caring for him, but it was more so. Uh, I was more so. Uh, um, as a third party caring for him outside looking in while the doctors were were uh, dealing with his medication. I was meeting with the doctors to go over his medication, more so of a civilian type of, uh, I'm trying to under- explain that, more of an um, outside role, caregiving role, more, more, um, more of that than a hands-on yeah. caregiving role. When he was hospitalized, and that has happened at least five times. He's been hospitalized. So um, I can't really put an actual number, exact number, but I would say that that my caregiving has fluctuated in uh, the time that he's needed from 10 hours to 60 hours a week, depending on where he is at that time. Yeah. Is he getting better? I mean, did, it, did that number go down? Was, did it used to be 80 hours? Um, what I can say is that he's receiving, the support that he's receiving is, um, is that he's, that I'm receiving support to help yeah. him. To now, is help he getting him. support also? Does he go to uh, uh, support groups for um People with TBI or post-traumatic syndrome or veterans, uh, any support groups there where he can, like, relate to other vets, you know, and they can share stories and say, yeah, yeah.
tried this, this works, you know, whatever. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, he is. So my husband is, first of all, he is um, receiving support from the Wounded Warrior Project's independence oh, program. Good. Yes. And so with that, so he's, he's he, on a plan to to uh, march in the direction of independence. As much yes, as he's possible. on a plan. He's on a plan. He has a treatment plan. And, you know, we're working. You know, we're working. Yeah, that's it, why it's there's just, hope. Yeah. Mm -hmm, there is hope. There is also, the veteran veteran affairs here. You know, he has his treatment. He he he. Attends a group like you asked, a support yeah. group. He does attend a support group um, for um, for his um, injuries as well. And how and how often is that? So, one group he that he attends is one meets once per week. Mm-hmm. But then he also is a part of the uh, a psychosocial rehabilitative treatment program that meets okay. every day, um, and and with that he meets with them three times a week. So you okay? drive him to all these places. It depends. Sometimes I do. Sometimes you know he's fine. It just depends. But I tell yeah. you what, Dave. Um, I also have in addition to his GPS. Um, we have several assistive devices that also help um, to make sure that I'm able to, to track and, and keep Technology. up with. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's important. So that's what important. does he do when he's home? Is he taking up any hobbies or vocations or, you know, to keep him busy? Keep, mm -hmm. People need to, you know, mm -hmm. things to keep from getting bored or go crazy, stir sure. crazy. What, is, what does he do? Well, I, again, I, again, the independence program at the Wounded Warrior Project, they are amazing. And I'm so grateful for that <laughs> program. That's your respite. He, yes, he has music therapy. He has a music oh, therapist. Oh, that's great. Yes, a music Singing, therapist that comes into the what? house. Guitar. Oh, guitar. Guitar. And this uh, music therapist comes into our home and works with my husband once a oh, week. that's great. Yes, my that's husband. a whole different side of the brain, the music, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's writing a couple of songs, and I'm, I just get excited with him. He, he strums some beats, and I just get excited with him, and I'm happy to see. I tell you what, it's when I, when I get a smile from my <laughs> husband, it makes me feel good. <laughs> it makes me happy. And he, he likes it, right? <laughs> he's, he's, he's digging it. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, so what's a typical day, just a day in the life? What does that look like? Good, bad, neutral? Um, well, All the above. I'll say <laughs> caring for my husband, there is no one typical day. Every day I have an approach that I make now, that I take now, and it's every day is a new day. And I take each day as it comes, okay, yeah. because that's what, that's what I do. And because I tell you, I still, but I, with that, I still plan. Okay. Yeah. I still plan my days. And, but, but with that, I'm also very flexible with those plans. Yeah. All right. I'm familiar with the, with the qualities of a caregiver. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, my typical day will consist of, you know, I, I open up, you know, with prayer devotion, you know, I believe as a caregiver, we have that, you know, it's so important. You know, we need so much. Strength and support, whoever we can um, receive that 
uh strength from i mean you know you know whoever a person's higher power is that's that that you know plug into it because we caregivers need it i can plug in and say that i believe that there i mean i'm a christian i believe that there's a special place uh uh-huh there's a special place in heaven for caregivers because oh, I, I just believe that. I sure hope so. <laughs> I believe it. Like we have so, a bigger mansion overlooking the ocean or something. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I do that first thing, my typical day and what it looks like. I also then, um, I have a day timer. Just to get back to the question, um, I, I have a day timer and I, I either the same day of or the day before. Or even sometimes the week before, I just write down the things that I need to do for the day. Sometimes, honestly, that list of things that I do, that I need to do, it might transpire over a few days. It might transpire over a week. It just depends on what the day ends up panning out and looking like, you know. But I I do have that as well. And then I use some technology organizational tools as well, Um, GQs, Evernote, you know, some organizational tools also to help, you know, to keep organization in the day you know yeah and um typical day finally also um at the end of the day i try and keep a grat i keep a gratitude journal (laughs) i journal and and at the end of the day for sure but also in the middle of the day i'm i'm working i'm trying to take uh take some breaks just to step away and to just read a, a book for five minutes or journal for five minutes you know, yeah. something to give myself a mental break. Guess that's important. Caregivers, that's important. So. Let's, let's take another break. And okay. Time's just uh, whizzing on by here. So we'll okay. Right yeah, it Don't is. Okay. Dave Nassani, the Caregiver's Caregiver, has just released his sixth book entitled It's My Life Too. Reclaim Your Caregiver Sanity by Learning When to Say Yes and When to Say No. It was specifically written for caregivers who know they should be putting their needs first, but just don't know how. Dave is the sole caregiver to his wife, Charlene, since 1996. He knows firsthand what caregivers are going through, because he is one. And he now speaks all across the country, offering caregivers his incredible caregiver support package. Even the airlines tell us that in the event of an emergency, to put your oxygen mask on first, before you help your child with their mask. They know that those who don't heed their advice often black out, thus becoming unable to help either themselves or their child. And caregivers are exactly the same way. It's my life too. Reclaim your caregiver sanity by learning when to say yes and when to say no. We'll help caregivers who are neglecting their sleep, diet, and social life, and learn to put their needs first. Pick up your copy today, or buy one for your special caregiver. On sale everywhere, and at caregiverscaregiver.com. And we're back on the Caregiver Dave Show. I'm Dave Nassani. This is Precious Good Son. I want to say good win, but you're good son. <clears throat> yeah, during during my wife's two-year, uh, hour two-year grieving period, I think it was more like two and a half years where it's just hell, you know. And I just remember thinking, I can't take this anymore. You know, I, I'm a guy who can live on crumbs of appreciation. I wasn't even getting any crumbs. You know, I, I, I wrote this letter. I said, you know, Charlene, I, I, I just can't do this anymore. Uh, I know it's hard on you, but you're making it even harder, harder on me to care for you. I just don't think I can be with you anymore. I'll take care of you financially, but I just can't be with you. 
you know, and I was, I had reached the end of my rope and I read the letter and I looked at it and I says, you know, I can't give this to her. That's the mother of my children, my soulmate. And I just filed it away and kind of went off into my depression and loneliness and, uh, and hopelessness until I found a uh, card in my pocket inviting me to a caregiver support group. And that's what started my road to recovery, you know, realizing there were other people just like me. And if I didn't take care of me, I couldn't take care of her. And eventually, you know, we started, uh, she started becoming her old self again and our love was rekindled. And now we travel the country just sharing our message to caregivers how to stay alive, you know, on stages and television and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, appreciation is very, very, very important. And if your loved ones are out there listening, tell them you appreciate them every minute of the day. <laughs> you can never do it too much. So how do we get a hold of you? War Changes Lives, L-I-V-E-S dot net. That will get you there. War Changes Lives. What a great domain. You're very fortunate to have that. Dot net, you say, N-E-T? So don't hit, don't do dot com or you'll go somewhere else. Dot net. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for contacting me, and we will be in contact again. I'd love to have you as a guest blogger, you know, on our website. We just rebuilt our website from the ground up all over again because it had grown over the years so fast that it's, it was kind of lopsided and top-heavy and it was slow. And, and uh, so we made it uh, cutting edge now, and we're real proud of it. And we're, we're still adding the content from the other site because we just want to do it very carefully and methodically and, and not – not build a duplicate of of the top heavy one that we had. So uh, that's a big job. That's gonna. It is, yeah, uh, but but if you have money, <laughs> I guess anything is possible. So I get a little nervous uh, writing the checks to get it done, but you know it's for caregivers. We're saving lives, and that makes it all worthwhile. So give me a call in about a month, and we'll see uh, what we can do. Thank you. Likewise, and I'm I'm going to send you the audio and the video link, and you can uh, it'll be a clean copy with all of the mistakes that we made removed, like it never happened at all. <laughs> yeah, God is like that. He kind of uh, gives us erasers, and and he just erases all of our mistakes and lets them uh, be buried in the sea of forgetfulness with a sign that says no fishing. Well, goodbye. Thanks again. We'll see everybody next week, same time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program with Dave Nassani.